I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, April 13th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Two weeks from today, tens of thousands will descend on Union Station in Kansas City to celebrate the NFL Draft. Chiefs fans will be a big part of that, but the team itself has business to conduct, and that'll happen at the headquarters at Arrowhead Stadium. On today's show, beat writer Jesse Newell discusses that business. We talk about what to expect from the Super Bowl champs with their 10 draft picks, That's the same number they had last year, and well, that turned out okay. Nine of those players participated in the Super Bowl. Who does Jesse have the Chiefs taking in his mock draft? He'll tell you that, and we'll also discuss if the Chiefs are targeting position like they did with the secondary last year. That turned out okay, too. Okay, let's get started. I was going to ask you, Jesse, what does the team shop for that has everything? Already, yeah. <laughs> the Chiefs seem to have everything based on um, the success mm. of uh, you know this past season and previous seasons. But but here they are with a big budget, right? Ten picks. We're going to go over your mock draft um, here in, in a moment. But let's just generally speaking, how are the Chiefs approaching this draft? Is it any different than previous drafts for them? Well, I think if anything, what they did last year sort of <laughs> reinforces what they need to do moving forward, which is, uh, you know, they do let value fall to them. And remember last year, they were not in search of a quarterback necessarily at the first round, but all of a sudden Trent McDuffie and Kyrie Elam are falling, falling, falling. Nobody expected it. So the Chiefs on the fly move up. Uh, they go up and uh, get up a couple spots, get Trent McDuffie because he's still available. And I think this is what you do if you're successful. You know, you don't Put yourself into a place where you have to take a position. And so you mentioned this about the Chiefs having everything. They don't have everything, but they have everything sort of covered. So they don't have to get a receiver and they don't have to get a quarterback and they don't have to get an offensive lineman. They've covered all of their necessary places good, but they're still in need of some reinforcements at places like offensive tackle, at wide receiver, at defensive line, uh, especially when it comes to the edge and defensive tackle. So um, they put themselves in a good spot. We talk about, it. you know, the, the, they're the Vegas favorites right now to win next year's Super Bowl. So they're in a good spot. Their problems are first world problems. But yet they do have needs. They do have needs at places that are tough to get in the free agent market that are easier to get in the draft. And so they're well positioned to sort of let this board fall to them and see how things play out and adjust from there. And not make other decisions that are just desperate decisions. They're going to make decisions based upon how this board falls to them and and kind of the needs that they do have, which are multiple needs out there. I think back to last year, though, and uh, and, and know that the Chiefs were looking at secondary and and they went after it with the trade-up for for Trent McDuffie and then the longer-bodied cornerbacks that they took later in the draft. And I believe – they end up with what ten picks, and and half of them were members of the secondary. When you include safety in there as well, 
So we didn't know it at the time, right? But they they went in with a bit of a plan to bolster their secondary, and that's what happened. And it worked out wonderfully uh, for the Chiefs. You think there's something that they're sitting on over there at uh, you know at, at the at the complex that um, that, that I don't know if it'll surprise us, but what what would be the the most likely scenario for a position that they'll target? On draft uh, on, on the during the draft period, yeah, uh, it's a good question, and I think you kind of have two ways you can go about this too. I mean, we know they need another receiver, we know they need a tackle, we know they need an edge rusher, but whoever you take with your first round pick, you probably figure that spot is going to be solidified. So whatever spot is left over, you can do kind of what they did with the cornerbacks, which is they threw numbers at it. And you remember Brett Beach saying in the seventh round last year, Blair, that. The reason that they took cornerbacks there was those guys probably weren't going to sign with the Chiefs as undrafted free agents because they would take one look at that room and they'd say, that thing is crowded. I don't want to go there. Uh, But if you draft them in the seventh round, they got to go to the team that drafts them. And so the Chiefs kind of took those players and all of a sudden they developed them. They brought them up. Uh, Obviously, uh, they did well. And and now you have a secondary that's basically, uh, you know, maybe they can take a safety, but cornerback, I don't know they have room for a cornerback because of all the development they had last year. So I guess it's a long way of saying, you know, like my first mock draft, which we'll talk about here in a second, I had them taking receiver first, but I still feel like they need to address tackle. So you can throw more bodies at tackle and say, hey, you take two guys and you figure hopefully one of them sticks, maybe one of them doesn't, but you throw bodies at position and you figure that potentially that thing can work out for you. So I think the Chiefs have a couple different options here, and it kind of depends, again, on things that are outside their control. How will the board fall? How many receivers will go early? How many tackles will be left? All of that will determine who the Chiefs' first round draft pick is. And from there, you can kind of pivot and figure out if you want to throw bodies at a certain position that is a position of need. We know uh, some of these positions are need for the Chiefs. If they want to throw bodies at one of those, then uh, that's something they could do. Okay, your your mock draft, draft this week went the way that mock drafts are supposed to go. You just identified the round where the Chiefs are picking right now as it stands and um, and selected a player for that. You did it 10 times. Just as Herbie Teope did it a week before you, and you didn't you didn't factor in potential trades uh, in in your mock draft, and it's 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 next to impossible to do, you know, it, it, unless you're talking about a team that's picking in the top three or so and has their eye on a quarterback. And um, but the Chiefs uh, have how many drafts is it uh, that they've made a move with their first round, including last year? Um, in fact, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it strikes me that the, the 2020 draft when Clyde Edwards-Alaire was selected when he was pit right, the last pick of the first round, was the last time that the Chiefs used their first round pick at the position which it was, um, you know, assigned to them going back to, you know, I, gosh, I don't know, but you know, they got players like Orlando Brown by trading their first round pick, and Frank Clark was another one. Certainly, Patrick Mahomes came up, you know, he was in the first round, but the Chiefs tra- traded up from 27 to 10 to get him. So it's it hasn't been often in the Brett Beach era that they have used their their number one pick at the at the place where it was assigned. Now, having said all that, Carl Loftus was uh, a first round pick in that position last year, but he was he was one of two because uh, the Chiefs uh, traded up in position to get McDuffie at, at 21. So um, 
I guess it's a roundabout way of asking, do you think there is a player at one of the positions that the Chiefs would like to improve that we can envision them going up in the draft? Um, you know, I don't I just don't think this is a draft where they go where they where they go down, but I guess that's possible as well. But is there a place where they can get up, I don't know, five spaces, even maybe crazy as 10 spaces to to get that wide receiver or or tackle or edge guy? Yeah, I think it is. So let's start with trading back first. I don't think it's going to happen. Now, again, you never say never, but we've heard Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, sort of joke. I put in quotation marks, joke with Brett Veach to not trade back because the draft is in Kansas City. It's probably going to happen once in our lifetimes, Blair. And so the Chiefs on that Thursday night are going to have half the crowd there of Chiefs fans. They're going to want a draft pick. Clark Hunt's going to want a draft pick. And so that's why trading out of the first round, we've seen these other teams that host drafts all their fans have to wait till the second or third day to have a pick. And it's kind of a bummer. This could be a huge grand celebration and there are emotional factors at play. I mean, let's just be honest. The chiefs are going to get this draft once maybe forever. And uh, this is the time to make a first round pick. So I I do think they will make this first round pick trading up again. I think this kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. Nobody anticipated Trent McDuffie falling that far last year. The chiefs saw an opportunity and they did move up and they went and got, got their guy. Uh, I, I think at receiver, yes, there potentially are those guys out there. I think you start with, uh, you know, I, I put this in my mock draft. Zay Flowers is a guy potentially you could go move up for. Now, I think the, the advantage the Chiefs have is this receiver class is all over the map. Like you hear guys like Jim Nagy who are well-respected saying some teams only have one receiver as a first-round talent on their draft board. Then you've got other guys out there like Mel Kuyper who say that Zay Flowers is the best receiver in the draft. So there is some dissenting opinions on their receivers and guys potentially could fall to you at the end of that first round, just because the league is not really in consensus that this is the number one guy. This is the number two guy. This is the number three guy. But I think the two that probably make the most sense for the chiefs, Zay flowers. I mentioned this in my mock draft, a little bit of Tyree kill light, a little bit Kydarius Tony really good getting off the line can create separation. If we know anything about the chiefs, especially last year, how do they create their yards? They throw behind the first down marker. They get yards after catch. They use every blade of grass on the football field. He really fits into that mold. And then Quentin Johnson would be the other one. Um, the guy at TCU is kind of interesting. Last year, the Chiefs had a Monday night football game the same day that game day was in Lawrence uh, when KU played TCU. And so every TV in the facility had the KU-TCU game on, and that's when Quentin Johnson just went ham against KU in that particular game. But he's more of a bigger receiver and – uh, for the Chiefs, you know, they have MBS who has been a big receiver for them, but that's tougher for them to get on the free agent market. Right after you lose Juju Smith-Schuster, um, that could be sort of a possession guy that you could look at and taking in the first round. So I would say those two guys would be the ones most likely. Could one of those offensive tackles fall? Uh, potentially. If that happens, the Chiefs could be uh, looking to target them and maybe move up just a little bit to get that. But the other thing I will say is I think it'd be tough for the Chiefs. You know, you moved from 29, I think last year it was, to 23 to get McDuffie or 22. 21. That's not as the 21, that, not as big of a jump as 31 to like 18. And especially because the Chiefs don't have the same draft capital as they did a year ago. So if you're looking for the Chiefs, probably moving from 31 to 24, 25-ish would be something you might be able to look at. But moving up into, uh, you know, the teens, uh, that would take quite a bit. And so I would not think they would do that sort of thing. But yeah, moving to the mid-20s, that's potentially something they could look at, especially if there's a receiver uh, that they have their eye on. And we've seen this offseason. They targeted some other guys that were free agents, weren't able to land them. And for the Chiefs, the draft's going to be the easiest way because you can't say no. I mean, these guys can't say no to them if they're drafted by the Chiefs. So uh, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnson, if, if either of those guys fall to that area, then potentially I think the Chiefs could move up. 
you make a good point when we talk about potential for trading up the the cost gets steeper the higher you go in the first round i mean we're talking there is a big difference between trading up to i don't know 18 17 and then trading up to 25 26 i mean uh probably i i, I don't know what the calculus is on this but number of draft picks right i mean it's uh um, you, you've got uh, it, 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 there is a cost involved here. I think the Chiefs would have to love somebody at, at a position that they uh, that they're looking to fill for for them to move up in a big way. And um, and I, I don't know if there is I don't know if there is that player f- for them. Well, and, and not to mention, but I mean, if you just want to take a step back, I just told you the Chiefs probably aren't trading out of the first round because they need a draft pick in the first round. So that's just kind of one for, of those for theater, theater. Or for, for theater, you know, non-negotiable. And and let's also be honest, like if the Chiefs took a receiver who they thought fans thought was going to be the number one receiver of the future in Kansas City in the first round, that'd be pretty good optics. You know what I mean? That'd be a clip you could show 5, 10, 15 years down the line that yeah. this is where they got the guy and the whole freaking place exploded. I mean, they'd be excited about an offensive tackle. They'd be more excited about Quentin Johnston or Zay Flowers. Let's not make any bones about it. But um, just from a big, huge picture perspective, like the Chiefs, what they did so well last year is they didn't ask, act desperately. And now they even have more leeway to not act desperately, right? I mean, there are teams out there who could say, we got to get this thing done this year to get this player in because we got to win this year or the GM's out or the coach is out, those sorts of things. The the Chiefs have the ultimate honeymoon right now. They just won the Super Bowl. They have Patrick Mahomes. They have things in place. They have kind of catered to the fact that they haven't been desperate for things and they let things fall to them and they've taken advantage of other teams' desperation. When you see a Ravens go out there and spend $15 million on OBJ, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., just because, oh, they're forced into it because Lamar Jackson's about to leave. He's not going to sign a contract with them. Well, they got desperate and made the desperate move. The Chiefs sat that out and said, okay, take him. You know, maybe they'll go draft their receiver and and not be the desperate end of that deal. So I I think, again, like you said, Blair, big picture-wise, it would make sense for the Chiefs to not feel the desperation to move out of 31 because they can let whoever falls to them fall to them. However, we know how this works. We know Brett Beach is very aggressive with the guy that he likes. And usually, uh, if we look at last year, the draft picks that he likes, he feels like are fit with the team. They fit in well, and they did pretty well. So um, this is one of those situations where it's it, you can kind of talk yourself into both sides of it. But the Chiefs take the 31st pick, that wouldn't be shocking as well, just because they're in a great position right now to let whatever talent fall to them fall to them and let other teams be the ones that are desperate in there and, and trying to make up moves. The other advantage, of course, to staying at 31 is for the vendors who will be working Union Station and, uh, and Delivery Memorial and all the places around there. You keep the Chiefs picking at 31, they're going to be selling their sodas and popcorn all night long for that first round. You know, that first round is going to start at, at 7 p.m. Central uh, on, on that Thursday night, and there'll be – you know, there'll, there'll be a ton of people from out of town, but it'll mostly be Chiefs fans, of course. It'll be Red Sea of Red. They'll show what up. A, they, they what a party. Them. What a party, right? I mean, just to culminate in the last pick of the first round, if that was the Chiefs, and again, if if they took a skill position player like a receiver, uh, there'd be a lot of happy, maybe inebriated Chiefs fans at that particular <laughs> moment. Yeah, I think uh, I think the chop will resonate <laughs> <laughs> throughout the land, throughout the kingdom. So... All right. Hey, let's take a break here, Jesse. And when we come back, we'll get into some of your other mock draft selections. And I still want to, there's another philosophical thing or two I think we should discuss. So we'll be right back. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says Start a Subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We're back on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast, and we're talking NFL and Chiefs draft with Jesse Newell, Chiefs beat writer. Um, your esteemed colleague, my esteemed colleague, uh, Herbie Teope, he went a uh, different direction with his pick for the Chiefs in the first round. Now, um, there is no KU player available uh, to be selected early, but Herbie went with his alma mater uh, for uh, for his first, but it's, it's not an unreasonable idea. I've seen Felix and UDK Uzama um, from Kansas State, the, the edge rusher. I've seen him uh, associated with some you know, in, in some mock drafts in the first round. And I saw a little bit of news this week that he made a visit to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, I think, has the 19th pick overall in the first round. It's not it's not a stretch if if he were the Chiefs' first round pick. And you talk about a party at Union Station. If uh, you know if, if they went that direction, I don't know though. I I, I just um, I, I don't know where he rates at his position group. But but um, the Chiefs aren't getting the top two or three guys at uh, at that position, and I don't know where Felix falls there. Do you? Well, I mean, most of the mocks have been falling about that spot, and again, it makes sense. And I do want to give a shout out to Herbie because. If you go back to mock draft 1.0, he did last year in 2022. He nailed three of the guys. Yeah, so yeah. Maybe, maybe, he, he maybe we right on it. Maybe we need to pay attention to mock draft 1.0 more than my 2.0 because I think it was uh, I think it was George Karloftis, I think it was Brian Cook, and maybe Sky Moore that he had all going to the Chiefs in that first mock draft. So I mean, he pegged it, and so uh, that's something I will caveat this with. You know, I I think for the Chiefs it makes sense because it's one of the three positions. And this is where it becomes difficult to mock draft Blair, because you're trying to predict coin flips. You know what I mean? And then you're trying to predict coin flips on top of coin flips and how this thing is going to fall. I mean, I put Zay flowers to the chiefs. It's very possible. He's not there at 31 because other teams like him better. Um, 
it's possible that Felix is not there at 31 for the Chiefs. Probably more likely that he is than Zay Flowers, but we just don't know. We don't know how the Bills are going to react. We don't know how the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to react before them. I mean, that's all that stuff is out of their control. So um, edge rusher does make sense, though. I mean, listen, uh, the Chiefs got George Karloftis last year. He came on toward the end of the season, but we know they need more depth there, and they don't have Carlos Dunlap back. They don't have Frank Clark back. They need to get younger on that particular part. So, um, and, and we know that they have some interest in these local kids because we've seen them kind of link to them uh, quite a bit lately. So it makes some sense, uh, and, and you could see the Chiefs doing it. For me, I, I just wonder, there have some, been some studies out there, and Kevin Cole, he used to work for Pro, Pro Football Focus, had a very interesting one. I, I linked to this in my mock draft, kind of the value, the surplus value you can get from this end of first round pick. And the highest position is usually offensive tackle. So it makes me wonder because the Chiefs, we know how much they've had to spend for Juwan Taylor, you know, in the free agent market. If you get that guy and you get him for potentially five years, a guy that can play right tackle and, and solidify that spot, there's a lot of surplus value there because we know those guys get paid in free agency and we know if they develop right. And at the end of the first round, usually they're at the top of the of the draft and those guys kind of fall off from there. So I could see offensive tackle too. And then, like I said, I part of me just wonders in the back of the Chiefs' mind, they were in search of a receiver, like a, a real receiver in free agency. They went after Juju Smith-Schuster. They went after Odell Beckham Jr. They obviously were in on these talks with DeAndre Hopkins. The price just kept going up above their comfort level. It makes me wonder at the end of this thing if they just say, you know what, the easiest way to do this is just to continue to draft these guys, just to continue to bring them in. If it takes another year, it takes another year, sort of like the Sky Moore red shirt sort of year where, hey, it's not going to come together until maybe later in the season, that sort of thing. But it does make me wonder if the Chiefs just sort of think at this point, receiver is going to be very tough for them to get on the free agent market at the price that they want. And uh, they kind of struck out on some of these guys that they wanted earlier in the offseason. So, uh, again, I, I think they're smart enough and they played this smart in the past to sort of let the thing fall to them. But those three, I'll be surprised if the first round pick is not edge rusher, offensive tackle uh, or wide receiver. And so I think most of the mock drafts are going to have that. Maybe defensive tackle is kind of the dark horse fourth one. But uh, I think those three, they're going to let whatever fall to them fall to them and, and see where it takes them from there. And so Felix can be in that conversation. And he's obviously been mocked in that conversation. So uh, if he is the pick, then that's uh, that'd be just for me nailing another one. And it being his alma mater would be a nice way for him to put another feather in his cap. But not offensive, not right tackle. I'm, in, I'm, I'm surprised. Um, you know, that's a position they, they lose Andrew Wiley. And um, uh, to me, right tackle is a position that we could see an immediate starter out of the draft. Uh, you know, you know, I, I don't think we'll see an immediate starter at edge rusher. Uh, wide receiver is certainly possible. Um, you know, there were three from the draft. Was it three from the draft class that started in the Super Bowl this year, um, and nine of the ten played. So, it, amazing stat for the for the Chiefs. But I can see them. I can see if they're starting right tackle coming out of this year's draft. I just don't know who that is. And I think you had a suggestion in your story that the Chiefs could go there in the first round with uh, with a Big 12 player. Absolutely. Yeah, Anton Harrison is one of those guys. He kind of – you see him move up and down and up and down. He was hosted for a visit with the Chiefs, one of their top 30 visits on site. He was posting from social media on that. But uh, he is one of those guys that projects out well. He's played left tackle for Oklahoma and – uh, that is one of those, if that, that guy falls to you at that particular spot, I, I think I mentioned or referenced him, maybe the, the tackle of their dreams. I mean, that really could be 
sort of solidifying things there. And uh, obviously the Oklahoma connection with Creed Humphrey has gone pretty well for the Chiefs when it comes to the offensive line. But if you really could envision a scenario, again, places for the Chiefs, it's difficult to get guys. I know they just signed Jawan Taylor to the richest contract, I think, to any offensive lineman this offseason. So I guess, I mean, again, it's possible for them to do this, but they love their athletic guys. They love to be able to solidify that spot. But if you think about just envisioning this for them, I mean, what if they got him? And what if, again, offensive tackle really gives you more surplus value than a lot of the other positions out there? You look at their line all of a sudden, you go, wow. I mean, Juwan Taylor, you would assume left tackle. I mean, Anton Harrison has played left tackle, so maybe, I don't know. Um, right. you, you figure things out from there, but it gives you options. Tooney, Humphrey, Smith, uh, and then Juwan Taylor or Anton Harrison on the right side. You got Lucas Niang as a backup, Prince Tega Wanogo has been back there, and then obviously signed Allegretti in the offseason. I mean, you are looking about as solid as you can look, and also that for multiple years, and uh, looking great as, as far as it goes to uh, – protecting Patrick Holmes, uh, you're really solidifying that position and, and again, using resources well to try to get yourself surplus value on a team that has to pay Patrick Mahomes as they has to wants to pay Patrick Mahomes the money he's worth and uh, has won Super Bowls because of it. So um, again, that frees you up too, because if they take the tackle there, you don't have to take multiple picks later to try to fill in that spot or, or hit on a lottery ticket at that spot. Then you can kind of go later in the draft and figure out what receivers you like, what edges you like, that sort of thing. So I think it would be tempting for the Chiefs to do that, especially kind of knowing the studies and what's happened the last 10 years of the draft. And so Vanton Harrison is there. I definitely think that could be a Chiefs option. could be a great pick for uh, for them down the line. I want to throw one more name out there as a potential first-round pick, and only because we can bring in uh, our uh, another colleague, Pete Gradhoff, who uh, came up with this nugget. I love, I love this. Um, the player we're talking about is Will McDonald, the edge rusher from from Iowa State, is a potential first round pick. Pete, of course, is an Iowa State grad, and he and he found this that the Cyclones, the only Power Five team with the, the not the only the Power Five team that has gone the longest without a first round draft pick. Um, they've got Indiana beat by about five or six years, but it's been fifty years since Iowa State has had a first-round draft pick. They've had plenty of pros and effective ones, right? Uh, uh, Brees Hall from recently and um, uh, Troy Davis, the old, uh, the terrific running back from the beginning of the Big 12 era. There have been, been many, but uh, no first-round picks from, a, from Iowa State. So, yeah, that, that's a great staff from a, an Iowa State guy, you know, would know the misery. It's sort of like a Cubs fan, you know, like I, I know and, and Pete Stabb as well. I know I like knowing every misery that you've lived through and like citing it to everybody to let them know. You're right, though, Blair. I mean, if you think about some of the guys that have come out, I mean, Brees Hall was could have yeah. been a first round draft pick. So I'm sure the stat was out there last year. And I mean, if we're being completely honest, if everybody knew about Brock Purdy, what they know now. He probably would have uh, yeah. been. He probably yeah. would have been a first round draft pick last year. So uh, Iowa State on the way up, and hopefully this will relieve Pete of some of his misery for uh, following Iowa State for so long. Okay, let's dig into your mock draft a little bit more. You've got the uh, you've got the defensive end Derek Hall from Auburn as a second round pick. He's been projected as a first rounder. I've, I've seen that. Um, you went offensive tackle in the third round with a BYU player, Blake Freeland. Is it Freeland? Yep. Um, and of course, whenever you talk about BYU players, there's the Andy Reid Intel uh, advantage there. So um, I, I really enjoyed uh, the the fourth round, the two fourth round picks, one a, a defensive tackle from Auburn, 
Auburn must have had a defense that uh, was better than I thought because you get two Auburn players in the first uh, first four rounds. But you haven't taken a running back in the fourth round as well. The Tulane running back, uh, Ty J. Spears um, from Tulane. That was, of course, Tulane had the great bowl victory over Southern Cal this year was in the, in the Cotton Bowl. But that kind of begs the question. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this happened. Of course, the Chiefs struck gold with their seventh-round pick and Isaiah, one of their seventh-round picks and Isaiah Pacheco this past year. Why do the Chiefs need a running back, and what does this say about the future of Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Yeah, I, I mean, the future of Clyde Edwards-Alaire is sort of unknown at this point, and we know this last year was a struggle for him. He had the injury and then came back, and then um, whether it is something or not, didn't show up at the parade uh, for the Super Bowl, so it does make you wonder about his future. It sure seems like uh, at this point that if he's not with the Chiefs next year, it shouldn't be considered a surprise. I mean, let's just be honest about that. You know, we probably could use a fresh start somewhere else where the Chiefs can trade him for a conditional draft pick or just flat out release him. Uh, I think that definitely is up in the air and how much he can help the Chiefs is up in the air as well. And they haven't re-signed Jarek McKinnon yet. So um, that one is kind of a TBD. It seems like a good fit, but uh, we don't know. And uh, we'll, how that will play out is yet to be seen. But yeah, I was just looking at ESPN has a list today of kind of the best traits of every uh every player out there in the draft and Ty J Spears was listed as most elusive uh, for running backs. And so the chiefs have just, you know, they've had success pulling these guys out of the seventh round and undrafted uh, and, and late rounds and being able to take them and turn them into something really good. And so uh, you feel good about Pacheco. The only thing about Pacheco I will say is he runs so darn hard that uh, I know he avoided injury for the most part last year, but you got to have some backups there because uh, the way he runs and the aggressives he runs with, you got to figure that at some point he's going to be dinged up just a little bit, just uh, based off of who he is. So, yeah, Ty J. Spears, I think the Chiefs would love to have him follow this spot. Again, it's the same thing. It's a guessing game. I don't know that he'll be there. I think most of the mock drafts out there, the one I was looking at, I think uh, NFL draft, mock draft database, they had him going around somewhere and pick 100 on most of the mocks. So for him to fall to 122 might be a little bit of a stretch, but again, we don't know. We don't know how this is going to play out. And we know that running backs have kind of fallen down draft boards a little bit more lately than they did 10, 20 years ago, for sure. So the Chiefs are able to take a dynamic playmaker who, again, is considered the most elusive in this NFL draft class with that particular pick. I think they'd love to have that sort of guy. And we know that Andy Reid covets those sorts of guys who can make plays in space and usually utilizes them pretty well, whether it's Michael Hardman or Kadarius Tony or Tyreek Hill back in the day. So uh, I know those are receivers, but again, you have that sort of uh, same sort of skill set. Uh, Andy Reid usually finds a place for you. So that's why I have him in the fourth round. I actually haven't taken another one in the sixth round, just kind of as a, a playmaker. And, um, you know, sixth, seventh round, we got to remember, I mean, the Chiefs are not going to hit on all 10 of their draft picks every single year. Sometimes there's going to be years where you don't. So if you like a guy in the sixth round, you figure he can play on your team. The Chiefs potentially could take that guy, but Spears would be one to watch in that sort of range to see if they can get a backup for Pacheco and another dynamic playmaker uh, with their offense. It never hurts to have that with Patrick Mahomes. Okay, and you've got the Chiefs for the first time since Patrick Mahomes taking a quarterback. Um, and an interesting one at that, we talked about Quentin Johnson, the TCU wide receiver. His quarterback, Max Duggan, um, had an outstanding year for, for the Horned Frogs. And I, I, I like his game. I don't know if it translates to the NFL. But it seems to me it's it's about time for the Chiefs to draft a quarterback. Now that uh, Chad Henney is gone, and I, we know they like Bouchelle as, as the backup, but I, I think that you got to have some competition there, don't you? 
Yeah, and I, a lot of people kind of gave me guff for this one, but when you're talking the 249th pick in the draft, um, you or know, two, seventh, it could be 250 too. Yeah, 250. That I mean, you're talking like little seventh round. Now, again, remember Brett Beach last year said he took quarterbacks because those guys would not sign as undrafted free agents with the Chiefs. This is probably the same sort of situation with a quarterback. If you're a quarterback and you think you're a potential NFL starter someday, why would you sign with the Chiefs? You know what I mean? Like that position is taken. <laughs> That's not coming uh, if you're a member of the Chiefs. So. Maybe the Chiefs could take a, a quarterback with their seventh round pick. And Duggan, you know, colleague Sam McDowell wrote today in the Kansas City Star about kind of the underrated position needs for the Chiefs and potentially a guy who could be a quarterback sneak specialist for the Chiefs. Well, Duggan, Duggan would fit that role. You know what I mean? He's shown with his legs to be able to do that sort of thing. Brett Beach at the Combine talked to us and spoke about how he wanted to get somebody uh, high IQ in the quarterback room. He loved having Chad Henney there to kind of push Patrick Mahomes in his progression. Uh, you know, Duggan is a son of a former high school coach, you know, kind of always uh, in, in that sort of thing and made the most out of his talent. So, yeah, if you brought in Duggan again, I'm guessing here with what quarterback they would like, but he seems to make sense. Um Mahomes has been working out at TCU this summer. Duggan is from TCU. I don't know. You know, we can throw some conspiracy theories out there with this, but it would make some sense to me if they went after him or some guy in his ilk to to play backup quarterback. The Chiefs don't need a starter. They don't need a guy that projects super high ceiling. They could use a seventh round pick who pushes Patrick Mahomes. Could be a quarterback sneak specialist and could put provide some uh, some competition to to Shane Bichelle as that third quarterback. And it seems like Duggan to me. Again, this is to me. Seems like he could provide a lot of those things with the seventh round pick. Eagles have changed the way we think about quarterback sneaks these days, uh, for sure. And just think, if they took Doug, and that means their quarterback room would be all Texas school quarterbacks, right? That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Okay. Great stuff, Jesse. Really enjoyed the conversation. We'll catch up again before the draft. Sounds good, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for producing the show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell for sharing his insights. Morning Sports Edition is the nation's top digital sports section. There's no doubt about it. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.